I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'm sorry, but that's embarrassing. There's no joy. There's no celebration. There's no nothing together a no-hitter like that. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dave Kowatwich of DK Pittsburgh Sports and the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. The Pirates were no-hit and lost, by the way, to the White Sox for nothing last night on the south side of Chicago. Lucas Giolito was credited with the no-hitter. I'm trying to find the right way to put that. Look, I mean, the guy was an all-star last year, you know, full credit, whatever, okay? And I have no doubt that he pitched fine. But, wow! The at-bats in this game, the approaches in this game, and for that matter, being really blunt here, the caliber of the opponents in this game were flat-out embarrassing. And I know there's not going to be anybody in the country, least of all in Chicago, that's going to talk about this today, but I'm going to tell it to you the way I see it and the way I believe it to be. This team's collective offensive performance has been spectacularly abysmal. Sure, I'll be the first one to throw in that they've been missing some guys. And now, of course, as part of the 13 guys that are out, 13. You can add to that from over the weekend, Colin Moran and Kevin Newman, although there was fairly good news on both of those guys and neither of them went on the IL and they'll be around. They were theoretically even available for Derek Shelton to use in this game, although he didn't. This offense has to be addressed. This offense is the aspect of this team that's got no crutch, no excuse, other than the couple of guys I just mentioned being out. That's it. And the way these guys have, yeah, I'll use this word, the way they've competed at the plate has has been embarrassing. I'm just going to keep saying embarrassing. When you get no hit, first of all, start with this. In following the Pirates my whole life, and for those of you who have done similar, you know that the one thing through all the tough times and through the 20-year losing streak and everything else that the Pittsburgh Baseball Club could hang its collective hat on was that at least they didn't get no hit. Remember, you'd say forever and ever and ever, well... The last time they got no hit was by Bob Gibson in 1970, and at least that's not going to happen until Homer Bailey did it and so forth. No hitters stink. When, when 
when you're no hit at any level of the game, and I, I was no hit in the Pony League game once my team, and it stinks. You feel like you don't even belong. Like you, you're not even part of anything. You should just find something else to do with your life. And I, of course, did. But if you saw some of the pirates' faces in the visiting dugout over the railing on the TV broadcast, you could tell. And like they're like, really? That just happened to us? Like that stinks. You know, ESPN and MLB Network and everybody else chimes in live. You know how that goes. And all the social media starts buzzing. Hey, it's the eighth inning. Dude from the White Sox has a no-hitter. And everybody's turning over to that station. And then they see, oh, it's the Pirates. Of course he's going to get this. It's embarrassing. It stinks for the franchise. But I'm not willing to let them off the hook that easily. Because to me... This offense needs to get corrected, or there have to be changes made. Both to the players and to those responsible for making the players, putting this in all caps and in large Seinfeldian quotation marks, better. You can't have a decree that comes down from Ben Charrington and then through Derek Shelton that our main goal here in 2020 is to get better, getting better. We're all about getting better. And then have your offensive guys, your main offensive guys, your key guys getting worse. Yeah, it was encouraging what they did over the weekend in Milwaukee, and I reported it as such. I appreciated it as such. Everybody other than Josh Bell got going. Bell was given Sunday off maybe to try to give him a little bit of a breather after an 0 for 5 Saturday. Of course, the Pirates had another day off Monday, and you're thinking maybe he can come around on Tuesday. He didn't. He didn't do anything of the kind. He swung through 94-mile-an-hour heat right down the pipe, the kind that he would normally send into orbit. He had one-handed, non-competitive at-bats. Is that because he doesn't care? Heck no. That's not who he is. Something's wrong. And the people who are in those uniforms down at field level, particularly Rick Eckstein, have to come up with answers for it. Because if they don't or they can't, someone else can. I promise you that. Going back to last season, players raved about Eckstein and the way he taught them how to focus on a really, really small portion of the strike zone and say, if the ball is here, sell out on it. Go nuts. Give it your best swing. And they did that to great effect. They were taking strikes because those strikes weren't at that specific part of the strike zone where they wanted to swing hard at it. It really worked. It ain't working now. News flash. That guy last night in Chicago wasn't doing anything off the charts. He was just basically pitching a normal game. What he was facing was a team that, A, had some lousy players in it, in the lineup, and B, the players who aren't lousy were performing lousy. And if it was just the one night, you can live with it. Look, the, the, there have been teams that have been no hit. The Pirates have actually been no hit in the same year they've gone on to win a World Series. It happens. It happens. But that's not what this is about. These approaches, 
have been a problem from, I wouldn't even say day one. I'd say going back to Bradenton this year. They don't compete at the plate. They're not aware of the strike zone. They're not being selective. And then when it's time to not be selective, they're not flipping the switch to being aggressive. They have no concept right now of what they're doing in the batter's box. Tenth time I'm going to use this word in this segment, but that's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It's a terrible look for this franchise. The no-hitter, but especially, especially the broader performance of this offense. Look, Josh Bell's not going to end up in Cooperstown. Neither are Brian Reynolds, Kevin Newman, Adam Frazier, Colin Moran, Gregory Polanco, anybody else on the list. But the fact, not an opinion, the fact remains that every last one of these guys is badly underperforming relative to where they were in the past. That's not getting better. That's getting worse, and in most of those cases, a lot worse. And there need to be answers for it sooner rather than later because time's ticking on this season and for the Pirates to evaluate where they are in terms of instruction and reception in the fine art of hitting. When we come back, hey, the Penguins made a trade you might have heard. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Back, the Penguins reacquired Kasperi Kapanen yesterday from the Maple Leafs in a seven-component trade, meaning there were six players involved, plus the Penguins' first-round pick, the number 15 overall selection in the upcoming draft, going to Toronto. That's really the gist of the deal. I could run through all the names again. Uh, They don't really matter. This was principally Kapanen for a first-round pick. 
there's going to be a lot of fuss made, and already has been a lot of fuss made, over Evan Rodriguez, who wasn't good enough to play for the Penguins in the most recent playoffs and is already 27 years old. And Philip Hollander, one of the Penguins' better prospects, being sent in addition to the first-rounder, that to me is getting silly. Uh, Rodriguez, to repeat myself, didn't play just now when he had a chance. And he'd actually had a really, really good summer training camp, as I'd written at the time, and still wasn't seen by the coaching staff as good enough to merit inclusion in even one of the four games against Montreal. Philip Hollander is a a smart, two-way type of forward, Uh, diligent, really diligent, I should say, defensively, uh, as most Swedish forwards are because of the way the systems are in that country. He's not seen by anybody, and I'm sure that includes the Maple Leafs, as a top six type forward. If they can get something out of him, it'll be in a bottom six role. The same thing goes for Rodriguez. Bottom six guys you can find, with all due respect, anywhere on free agency for a song. It's not something that the Penguins need to be fretting over losing. It's not something anybody needs to be fretting over losing. The first-round pick, on the other hand, that's that that stings. You feel it. You know, the Penguins don't have first-rounders. When they do, it feels like a really big deal, especially when one of them starts looking as promising as Samuel Pullen did out of last year's class. You're reminded of how much that can matter, and I think you're going to be reminded again this coming winter when Poulin has a very, very real chance, I'm told, to make this roster. That's, I'm the last one who'd ever underplay the impact of a draft. But, but, what you have to understand about the way Jim Rutherford makes moves is that he's not worried about winning the headlines the next day. He never has been. He sees trades, and this is the correct way to do this. All of the most successful executives throughout sports history have always done this. You focus on what your own roster needs. And then you go and find that. Ideally, you don't overpay for it, but if you do and the results are great for the team, for the roster that you've got, then you win any and all trades that you've made. Remember in 2016 and 2017, that feeling afterward when the Penguins would win the championships no one was looking back and saying, oh, this was this kind of deal, or what about this guy in the future or whatever, because you just don't think about it. Because it doesn't matter. All that matters is the team result. That's how Rutherford looks at these things. The best recent example of this actually is Brandon Tanev. Remember when Tanev signed the six-year deal uh, that was, wasn't a trade, obviously. That was a free agency signing. Tanev was with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, was a pretty big heart and soul component 
to what the Jets had done, the Penguins felt they really, really needed that energy, that motor, his speed, everything else that he brought. And there were a lot of teams bidding for Tanev. Rutherford was told if he went to a sixth year on the deal, he'd get him. Rutherford went to the sixth year. And all that happened is everyone looked at the time, you remember this, at the deal with as if it were in a vacuum, as if this was Rutherford's perfect scenario. He didn't want to give up a sixth year either. He's not an idiot. He's in the Hall of Fame for a reason. Why do you give up the sixth year? Because you want the player, and you're going to deal with that sixth year ramification six years from now. When Crosby and Malkin are either still playing at 40 or they're gone. You go and you get the player that you want, that you feel helps fit your team. So when you look at Kapanen, he's a fit. He is those things that you want. Think about what it is that the Penguins were missing. What are their priorities? They need to get younger. Okay, he's 24. They need to get faster. He's faster than anybody on the current roster. He just is. They needed to get production out of their top six, as opposed to just putting Dominic Simone, Connor Sheary, and whoever else. As much as I love Simone's overall game, he doesn't produce. He doesn't score goals. As much as I appreciate Sherry's ability to sustain possession in the offensive zone, I don't appreciate that he spends half of every shift on his back. So, Kapanen addresses that too. He's fast, he's scored, really, really smart kid. Has never really played in a structured system in Toronto. He has the chance to do that here under Mike Sullivan and show a little bit more responsibility. He could be a pretty significant contributor to this team. If you're Jim Rutherford, that's what you're aiming for. That's what you want. That's all you're worried about. You're not worried about whether or not the Maple Leafs end up with a couple of good bottom six forwards at some point down the road. You're not worried about whether or not the Maple Leafs will make a great draft pick at 15th overall, knowing that only 60% of all first-rounders even make it to the NHL. Never mind those that are taken 15th. That's not something that you worry about. What you're worried about legitimately, is strengthening the current team and addressing things that you feel are wrong with the current team. All of this sounds like it's just not that bad a deal, right? So you knew I was headed somewhere with this. So the the public reaction, for the most part, at least to the best of my ability to gauge it, social media, radio, comments on our own site, for the most part, were pretty negative about this. People didn't like the trade. And yet, the primary reason that was expressed almost everywhere really didn't have anything to do with the trade. I I, I saw and heard and read an awful lot of, yeah, but the Connor Sherry trade stunk. Or, well, the, the, the Penguins just got eliminated by Montreal, and this is all they did, and... And the most common one was just they gave up too much. They gave up too much because they were counting Hollander and Rodriguez into this. That is window dressing, those guys. They're bottom six forwards. You can replace them like that. Those are fungible pieces. 
You can, any free agency, any summer, wait out for one of those guys to come available and just snap them up for seven fifty a year and not sweat it. They're everywhere, and they're always underpriced because of the way the salary cap prioritizes the star players in the league. There's not much of a middle class in the NHL. Those guys aren't the middle class. You can always find them. But people were mad. They're just mad. They're mad at the GM. They're mad at the Penguins. They're mad at everything, and they attributed that, or assigned that, I should say, to this trade, I mentioned Jack Johnson. Of course, this is all Jack Johnson's fault. Coronavirus is Jack Johnson's fault. Uh, everything is Jack Johnson's fault because one player single-handedly brought the Penguins down in the Montreal series. That's that's a lot of this where this stuff is headed. If Jack Johnson had been included in this trade, if Toronto had taken him on, which the, the Leafs couldn't because they're actually in their own cap situation, which is the reason that Kasperi Kapanen was moved, everything would have been fine. I can promise you that. People would have been dancing in the streets over this trade. But that's that's not what happened. That's not how it goes. So we're mad at the GM, so we're going to take it out on him over this trade. Try to think a little bit beyond that. I, I don't like to tell people what it is that's supposed to be going through their heads, but I do always feel comfortable encouraging people to at least think for themselves and to think about this situation in its own merit and in its own right. The Penguins got themselves a lot of some things that they needed in this deal. That's what matters. Not the rest of it, not the recent trades, not Jack Johnson. What matters here is that they addressed several significant needs with this move by acquiring this one player. And you are going to like Kasperi Kapanen. When we come back, a little bit of football. Welcome back. I've done some complaining on this episode. Some spirited complaining. It's time I balance that out. I find that the Steelers are now my equilibrium on a lot of things. So they make for a pretty decent closing segment here to make sure that nobody thinks I'm completely losing my mind. This segment of Daily Shot is always brought to you by our good friends at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. During normal times, one in seven people in our region are what's known as food insecure, meaning they don't know where the next meal is coming from. That includes one in five children. Not knowing where that next meal is coming from can be a scary thing, especially now during the ongoing pandemic. If you are in need of food assistance, or if you would just like to support the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. Spell out those first three words, pittsburghfoodbank.org. One dollar can provide enough food for up to five meals. Steelers were forced to move their practice yesterday from Heinz Field to the bubble. And by that, I mean the old interpretation of the word bubble when it wasn't a reference to 
shielding sports teams from coronavirus, uh, the big actual football bubble on the south side, because storms were coming, that cost me a day with the team. I was supposed to be over there covering it. Once it moved indoors, uh, it was closed off to media. We did, however, have a chance to hook up with T.J. Watt for the first time in quite a while, actually. And T.J. was T.J. He didn't surprise or shock with anything that he said. But it's still just, it was, it was good to hear from him. It was good to hear the energy, the vibrancy in his voice that's always there. You never wonder about his passion for the game, or for that matter, any of the Watt brothers' passion for the game. He had 14 and a half sacks last year. Bud Dupree had 11. The two of them combined for all kinds of chaos. And they're both still pretty young. And they both still could be theoretically signed. Out of the two, obviously, the one that you would prioritize is TJ. But it can't be ruled out that they could at least try to keep Bud. If not, they've been very, very happy with Alex Highsmith so far in this training camp. He, of course, being the third-round pick in the most recent class. Really, really strong reviews for Highsmith, I should throw in there. TJ is all that, and basically what I wanted to do here with these final couple of minutes that I have with you is just just let you, I just want you to hear some of him. Just Just try to feed off of who this guy is. Listen to this. I don't, I don't know if there's necessarily individual goals, nothing public that I know of. I, I'll never publish my, my individual goals. Um, but there's always, I, I just want to, I want to be able to be a game wrecker. I want to be able to be somebody that the other team has to scheme around. And I know that the same goes for Bud as well. And uh, we push each other each and every day and he's learns new moves throughout the off season. And so do I, and uh, just making sure that there aren't many times in practice where we're just kind of sitting on the sidelines, not working on our game. Um, if it's a special teams period, neither of us are out there. We're trying to be on the sidelines, uh, trying to help each other out, become the best players that we could possibly be. That's it. That That's all I've got for you. I don't have a point to make here. The Pittsburgh Steelers opened the 2020 NFL season on the 14th of September in East Rutherford, New Jersey, against the New York Giants. And Daniel Jones, their young quarterback, is going to have to deal with T.J. Watt, Bud Dupree, not to mention everybody in that secondary, and Devin Bush as an inside linebacker, and I didn't even get to Cam Hayward and Stefan Tuitt right in the middle of the line. Whatever it is that might be bothering you about sports, whether it's your favorite baseball team getting no hit or your favorite hockey team being fresh off a massive disappointment in the playoffs, you've still got the Steelers this year. You've still got the Steelers' defense in particular, and in my opinion, the best defensive player in football in 2019. Maybe also in 2020. Thank you so much for listening to this one today. Your front door. Your car. Your gym locker. Your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.